Welcome into the Drop the Gloves podcast. I am your Monday morning quarterback, your designated water boy, your team leader in high fives, and your host, Will Norton. This weekend was Saturday and Sunday. And then we also had a And then we also have the national championship tonight, which we have a lot to say about that, especially with the NCAA's idea to play the game in the Bay Area in California. We got a lot to break down, so we're going to start with the NFL wild card. And we're going to start with the first game of the wild card round, which was the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. The story of the Colts this year has been phenomenal. After starting the year 1 and 5, they improved to 10 and 6 and won a play in your end game against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville and then went on to just dominate the Houston Texans in Houston. The last 2 years of the Colts has been an incredible story because they were one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. They started off looking like they were going to be another one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. And Frank Reich totally turned it around. Now, I do think that Andrew Luck was healthy for most of, if not all of the year last year. I think that Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, intentionally didn't play him, didn't talk to any of the coaching staff last year about it because he had to clean up the mess that Ryan Grigson left. And so I don't think that Andrew Luck was hurt the whole year. They said he was hurt because they knew that they could tank without getting in trouble from the league if he was still on IR and didn't play. That gave Ballard a chance to clean house, get rid of Pagano and his coaching staff, get a high draft pick, which they took Quentin Nelson with, to upgrade their offensive line, which they needed to protect Luck. And there was no sense of putting Andrew Luck in a backfield with no offensive line to really protect him, which would ultimately have led to him getting hurt again, likely. So I don't think his injury was as serious as people have been saying that it is. Nonetheless, they start the year, 1-5, and Andrew Luck comes back, And it just, it looks like it's going to be another bad year for Indianapolis. Frank Reich turns it around, ends up taking the team to a 10-6 regular season, getting them in the wild card. And I got to say, no team should want to play Indianapolis right now. Patrick Mahomes might have to score 70 points, 100 points to beat the Colts. Andrew Luck, Marlon Mack, his receivers, they have all been on fire. And then they have the rookie, Darius Leonard, who led the NFL in tackles at linebacker, total Pro Bowl snub, they have been playing far better than anybody expected the Colts to be. A lot of the credit for this team's success definitely deserves to go to Andrew Luck and Frank Reich. Luck is a total dark horse for the MVP. If you look at the two frontrunners right now, Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes has several offensive weapons, and Drew Brees overall has a much better roster around him than Andrew Luck has. Andrew Luck has completely transformed this team since he's been back. And in his words, it's stinking awesome. So I think Andrew Luck is a total dark horse for the MVP. I don't think he'll win it, but I definitely think he deserves to be in the conversation much more than he has been. Frank Reich decided to just get a little gritty, grow his beard out, and he has completely taken over this team and really turn them into competitors. I think one thing that's really cool about Frank Reich, one thing that I don't think gets enough credit, is that after the whole Josh McDaniels mishap with the Colts, Frank Reich was the only candidate that they interviewed that didn't ask about Andrew Luck's health. He was so confident and so ready to take this job 
that he was going to take it no matter what the quarterback situation is. And I think that speaks a lot to Frank Reich himself. Moving forward, now the Colts are going to Arrowhead and Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, who are 2-6 and six in their last eight home playoff games. 2-6 and six for what is supposed to be one of the best NFL atmospheres. It is very likely that Patrick Mahomes will have to score 100 points to make up for the punishment that Andrew Luck, his receivers, and Marlon Mack are going to put on the Kansas City defense. On Fox Sports, Colin Cowherd has made the argument that Patrick Mahomes has lost his four biggest games. And technically, that is true. But if you look at the losses that Kansas City has taken, they've scored 40, 51, 28, and 31 points in those losses. The key for Indianapolis is going to be to contain Kansas City's offense enough that they can exploit Kansas City's defense. Their defense has been, by far, their weakest link all season long. There's kind of a general understanding among some people that if your offense can put up 28 or more points, your defense needs to do their job. And if they do their job at any level, you should be in a position to win that game. Kansas City's defense has been awful all year. That mixed with the fact that they can't win a playoff game to save their life at home is really bad news for Kansas City fans. But let's not forget the last time the Colts and the Chiefs played in the playoffs. Andrew Luck and the Colts were down 38-10, to came back in the second half, and won that game. That was the only NFL playoff game I've ever been to, and I remember the people behind me were from Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is about two hours north of Indianapolis, and they left the game. They were tired of it. They were done. The atmosphere of that game was incredible. But it seems like every team in the AFC has the Chiefs number when it comes to the playoffs. No part of me thinks that this Kansas City defense is going to be able to stop Andrew Luck. And I think this Colts defense, with the way that this team has been playing, will do enough to contain the offense of Kansas City. And they will be playing for the AFC Championship and a trip to the Super Bowl. We're going to get into our divisional round predictions later in the week. But right now, I can tell you off the bat that unless something ridiculous happens, there's no way Kansas City is beating Andrew Luck in the Indianapolis Colts in Arrowhead this weekend. The next game we're going to talk about is the Chicago Bears versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The ending of this game really frustrated me for a number of reasons. So the final score was 16-15, to and Cody Parkey missed the game-winning field goal. I think it was 46 yards, I believe. Something around there to win the game. And after the game, he was booed off the field by Chicago fans. Here's the problem. Parkey made three field goals to score nine of Chicago's 15 points. He would have scored 10 points. He would have gotten 10 of their points had they decided to just kick the extra point instead of go for two and not convert. And that was after the only touchdown that the Bears scored. So the guy they booed off the field scored more points than their offense did the entire game. Had they have just kicked the extra point, let Parkey, who was on fire, go ahead and just kick the extra point, they would have ended the game tied. The Bears punter, Pat O'Donnell, played great, by the way, because he had a lot of chances to get on the field because the Bears' offense didn't do a whole lot. Pinned the Eagles inside the two. He had a couple really solid punts, and this one pinned them within the two-yard line. After that, the Eagles run two plays 
where the ball carrier is hit in the end zone and manages to still either break the tackles or carry the defender out of the end zone to avoid the safety. So that's two plays where they could have gotten a safety. Not to mention the other play that started from inside the two on the goal line, just the ones where they were hit in the backfield in their end zone. Then the Bears also gave up a touchdown on fourth down. The Bears also gave up a targeting call and a huge pass interference that led to an Eagles touchdown. So I'm just I'm failing to see where the Bears losing is Cody Parkey's fault. Not to mention the kick that he missed to win the game was actually tipped. So he goes three for four, scores nine of the Bears' 15 points. The Bears fail to execute in several other areas of the team, and his game winner is tipped, yet it's still his fault. And to be fair, other players on the Chicago Bears rallied around him and said, it, well, let's, let's back up here. It's not Parkey's fault. This is a team sport. And I really have to commend both the Chicago Bears players and Cody Parkey for the way he handled himself in the post-game press conference. He took all the blame on himself. The Bears said, no, 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 this is a team sport. So as far as the actual team goes, I don't see any problem with the reactions to this game. It was just an unfortunate game. They could have executed several other areas better, and they didn't. And that's football. And that's the beauty of sports, is that oftentimes it comes down to the end, but there are so many other areas in the game that if you would have executed, it wouldn't have made a difference. The problem here is with the fans. And if you are one of the Chicago Bear fans, booing Parky off of the field, you are pathetic. Now, there's a whole study in media that shows that people relate and react to stories about individuals better than a group. People in general feel better connected to other individuals. And because of this, people often feel the need to put the blame of a team loss on an individual, which just happens to be the kicker. And kicking is not easy. So often, people just say all their job is to do is just kick. Well, yeah, the offense's job is just to score touchdowns and the defense is to stop touchdowns. It's not that easy. You have 11 people that are bigger than anybody else you're going to see on the street when you walk into your office running full speed at you, kicking a football. And if you see those goalposts in person, they're a lot smaller than they look on TV. It's not that easy. Bears fans that are blaming Parky need to chill out and re-watch the highlights of that game. And then if they still think that it's Parky's fault, they're clearly not a football fan. The way that the fans of the Bears handled themselves, the ones in the arena, and I'm not speaking all Chicago's Bears fans, just the ones in that arena should be absolutely ashamed of themselves because that was pathetic. As I'm about to record, starting to talk about Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota, I get a notification on my phone coming from Bleacher Report, and it's coming from their reporter, Yaron Weitzman, saying that GMs have already started calling the Sixers to see if Jimmy Butler is available. My initial reaction to this is seriously. I mean, he is a locker room cancer. Wasn't happy in Chicago, wasn't happy in Minnesota, already blown up on the coaching staff of the Sixers, this guy's not going to be happy anywhere unless he's winning. And it doesn't seem like he wants to wait or work harder to win. If I'm a GM, I'm not inviting that into my locker room at all. His talent does not outweigh the problems he brings to a locker room. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I totally forget that he's on the Sixers now because he hasn't made that much of an impact for the Sixers. They were a good team last year. They're a good team this year. They might have been a little bit better with Jimmy Butler, but the problems he's bringing to a locker room are not worth the addition of his talents. 
His talents don't outweigh the problem. It's unbelievable that teams are still trying to get him because he's very clearly not going to be happy unless he's on a team like the Golden State Warriors. I don't know why all of a sudden he's turned into the biggest drama queen in the NBA. Maybe Kevin Durant paid him a little bit and told him, hey, be the biggest softy and drama queen in the NBA and people will stop talking about me. I don't know who these GMs are that are talking about seeing if Jimmy Butler's up for trade. But if I'm on a remotely competitive team, I'm not bringing that in. That's a distraction. I'm assuming that he's going to find a problem, he's not going to be happy, and that that's going to distract my team from being competitive. So now we'll move to Jimmy Butler's old coach in Chicago and in Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau, who was just fired from Minnesota. And the GM came into his office and fired him after he had just beaten the Lakers. And I got to say, I'm more surprised that he was fired in the middle of the season than I was that he was fired at all. His first year in Minnesota, he went 31-51. and 51. Last year, he went 47-35 and 35 with a first-round exit in the playoffs. And so far this year, he was 19-21 and 21 in, in 11th place in the West. With Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, the rest of the talent they have, they should not be as bad as they have been. But this year, Derrick Rose might have been their best player. I have this whole theory about players coming out of Kentucky. I have this whole theory about Kentucky. I don't think that Calipari is as great of a coach as he gets credit for. I think he's a really good recruiter. But when you've looked at when he doesn't have a top-tier talent team, he's not irrelevant, but not a serious threat. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a good recruiter. And if you look at players that have come out of Kentucky, they're not winning when they're the leader of their team. Actually, the thing they do more than winning is whine and complain. Anthony Davis has turned into a drama queen, and the Pelicans aren't going to win anything anytime soon. John Wall, Devin Booker might be the best player to come out of Kentucky as far as a leadership aspect. The Sixers aren't going anywhere. Carl Anthony Towns isn't leading him to anything. The other stars from the Wolves, Andrew Wiggins, he's been underperforming since he was traded from Cleveland. Jimmy Butler isn't going to be happy anywhere that he ends up playing. The Wolves have the talent to be a much better team than they are, and a lot of people thought that they were going to be. And under Thibodeau, they've completely underperformed. I'm not surprised that he was fired, but firing in midseason right after a win just seems like really odd timing. And going back to this Derrick Rose thing, Derrick Rose has been the best player on the Wolves, in my opinion, this year. And just today, he said that he would kill anybody who said that he couldn't play under any other coach other than Tom Thibodeau. But if you look at his career, he hasn't been able to play under any other coach than Tom Thibodeau. And I'm not saying that his performance is going to drastically drop off now. But based on history, it's not an incredibly outlandish comment to make. If you're the Wolves, wouldn't you at least wait and see how that plays out this year? I don't think firing Thibodeau was the wrong move. I think the timing was the wrong move. And going back to this the whole Derrick Rose thing, I was never a huge Derrick Rose guy. I was never a big fan. After I learned that, he had his friend go and take the SAT under his name, and he kind of cheated the system in that way, and was still able to play at Memphis and got no punishment whatsoever. I was never a big Derrick Rose fan. This year, he became more likable. After all of the injuries, to put up a 50-point game and to play the way he's been playing made him more likable. But then saying that he's going to kill anyone that says he couldn't play without the only coach he's ever played well under just ruins it for me. I'm back to square one. I'm back to not liking Derrick Rose after that. And I've been voting for him for the All-Star game since voting open. Just a really, really dumb comment by Derrick Rose. And finally, we're going to move on to our last topic of the day in the big game tonight, the 
college football playoff national championship. And I want to start with this. Do you remember that Kentucky basketball team? They went 39-0 and and lost to Frank the Tank, Sam Decker, and the one guy that I'm really upset never made it, Nigel Hayes. I'm kind of feeling that from Alabama. That Kentucky team showed a little bit of vulnerability against Notre Dame. They almost lost it, but they came back and won. This Alabama team showed a little bit of vulnerability against Georgia. They showed just a little bit against Oklahoma, who has no defense. Now, I'm not doubting Nick Saban, and I'm not doubting this Alabama team. I think either team can win this. I'm just saying, I don't think it's Alabama by a clear shot. I love Tua Tagovailoa, and I love Trevor Lawrence. And I know Tua's had the experience coming into the national championship in the second half last year and bringing them back to win the title. But there's something really special about Trevor Lawrence. And that Clemson team just seems to have a certain spark and a certain fire under it this year. That even though they got off to a rocky start, they've dominated their opponents in the second half of the season. My pick for this game is I think Clemson's going to squeak by here. I think Clemson's going to steal a win. I think it's going to be close and I think it's going to be a really good game. But I think Clemson ultimately is going to come away with the win here and take the 2-1 lead in the national championship against Alabama. There you have it. We are at the end of today's episode and we covered kind of a wide range of current sports news, some predictions of what's going to happen tonight, some reactions to what happened the last couple days over the weekend. And this is going to be more of a typical podcast. First couple were more or less just to get something published. And really the hardest step to starting one of these is publishing your first podcast. And so I wanted to make sure I got a couple published, and this is kind of more of what you can expect from this podcast going forward. So if you liked it, make sure you share it with your friends, share it with the guy you don't like at work, share it with your family, share it on social media, and I will see you guys in our next episode.